And this week you guys are singing it. Oh my word. <laughs> I was joking last week and I'm hearing it on the way up. I want to read something here for you real quick. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling, to make you stand in the presence of his glory blameless with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. We just sang that. <clears throat> I just read that. But why would Jude put something like that at the end of his letter? We're looking at <clears throat> this letter that Jude wrote. And why would he do that? Here's why. <clears throat> because we have an incredible God who's still at work drawing people to him for relationship. We have a God who cares about who we are. And he cares about our relationship with him. And he does what's needed to be done through faith in Jesus Christ to restore that relationship I know that because last Sunday, after the service, not in the service, but after the service, <clears throat> three people went over to someone's house, and those three people had conversations with three people who were in the service, and they simply asked the question, hey, what do you think about the service? What do you think about the message? And three people placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Because, yeah, it's awesome. <clears throat> Because God's still at work, because God, God still cares, but also because we have people who are part of our church family who have already made that decision to place their faith in Christ, who are willing to share that information. We've got, probably, if everybody shows up, we probably have over 20 people who are going to be sitting in a Connect class. It's probably our biggest Connect class that we've, we've had, who want to find out more about our church and what God's doing in our church and how they might be able to get more involved in, in being a part of what God is doing. And so... God's at work. God's doing awesome things. And that's what we want to talk a little bit about this morning. But before I do that, I want everybody to, to grab one of those offering envelopes. It's time to give, people. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But grab, grab an offering envelope. I'm not going to ask you to give. Just grab an offering envelope. Go ahead. and You can do it. Come on. Yeah, okay. Don't be scared. Flip it over on the blank side. <clears throat> grab a pen. All right. So you got the envelope. Some of you guys are not doing it. You just... Whatever, that's fine. Not hurt. Uh, I don't get hurt that easy. <laughs> um, now, with your opposite hand, write your name. I was told this morning by somebody at 9 o'clock, someone cheated, they printed their name. <laughs> Whatever. However you sign your name, just, you know, if you're right-handed, do it with your left hand. If you're left-handed, do it with your right hand. Sign your name. Or print your name, Whatever. All right. How's it going? Not good. It's, it's simple. It's not complicated. Just put your name down with your opposite hand. Not that hard. Come on, people. I'll be grading these later. No. <clears throat> so uh, you're all finding out that to do that, it's hard, right? I mean, for the most part. Some of you are ambidextrous. It doesn't matter. So this, does, this illustration doesn't work for you. But for those of us who are not, it's hard, right? It's simple. Put your name down. It's simple. You know how to spell your name, I hope. And so it's simple, but it's hard. Why? Because you're doing it wrong in the sense that you're using the wrong hand, right? Well, that illustration is perfect. It's simple, 
for the life that God's called us to. Now, I'm, I'm talking primarily to uh, those who say you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ. You call yourself a believer or follower of Jesus Christ or a Christian or you know, whatever. A lot of different names, but same idea. You've placed your faith in Jesus Christ. So I'm primarily talking to you today. But if you're here this morning, and, and like those three that were here last Sunday, but, and then later on accepted Christ, you, you don't have that relationship. You're not sure about that relationship. This is great for you to hear. Because you're going to hear what it is that God expects of those who, who place their faith in Christ, who, as we found out last week, have been called into a relationship. That's what Jude says at the beginning of his, of his letter. But it's not complicated. To, to do life the way God wants us to do is not complicated. It's very simple. And we're going to be talking about, Jude doesn't lay them out the way I lay them out, but there's four things that we need to be doing day in, day out, no matter what the circumstances in our lives, is spending time with God and His Word and prayer. It's connecting with your church family on a weekly basis, worshiping together, serving each other in our church, and it's sharing your faith, being concerned about those in your life who don't know Christ. Those four things, they're going to they're actually be in this not as nice and neatly as I did it, because Jude's kind of like Paul. Jude likes to use these flowery words and poetic ways of saying things. I'm going to try to bring it down to our level, or my level anyways, I don't know about yours, but because um, I need things nice and simple. What makes it hard, because it's simple, it's not complicated, what makes it hard is that we keep trying to do it the wrong way. We, we keep thinking that we know better than God what God says about how we're supposed to live life. In fact, I bet some of you right now are thinking, oh boy, here we go again. <laughs> Read from Genesis to Revelation. And what you're going to see is God saying, if you do life my way, then I'm promising to provide for you, I'm promising to protect you, and I'm promising to give you the joy that you so desperately want. He does that through us doing life his way and fulfilling the purpose that he has for us. But here's the problem. We start going, yeah, did God really say that? I mean, it's 2,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago, whatever. Did God really say that? Does he really mean that I'm supposed to do whatever he says to and to do it all the time? I mean, can I have a little bit of you know, freedom in that? Can I have a little bit of me in that? Does God really mean that? Did God really say that? Do you know that's the exact same question that Satan asked? Back in the garden. That's what got all this started. Adam and Eve, perfect beings that God created who, who were obeying him. And then God gave them, you know, of course, free will. And so he, had to want, they wanted, he wanted to know, will you trust me? Will you show your love for me by obeying me? And Satan goes, yeah, but did God really say that about the fruit that you're not supposed to eat? And he's like, well, you know, now that you mention, as I'm looking at the, you read it for yourself, Genesis 3, she goes, now that you look at, you know, I'm looking at it, and I said, wow, it looks like some pretty good fruit. And it's, you know, probably tasty. And it's probably going to give me what it is that Satan says I can have, that God's holding out on me. And so we do this all the time. I'm not, we all do it. I do it, you do it, we all do it. Did God really say, does God really mean that? It's happened in the past. Jude's dealing with it in his letter. We deal with it today. And it's the question 
that people ask, and when they answer it wrong, causes to struggle in their life. I'm not saying life doesn't, I'm not saying life becomes easier or just nice and smooth, but we struggle unnecessarily through the difficult times that God allows into our lives because those are used for him to, to grow us. So this morning, like all the other authors of the Bible, Jude is going to give us some things, could bring us back to the basics and say, hey, listen, do these things. Live life this way. Do life God's way. Live lit for the Lord, fam. <laughs> Did I do it? Nice. I'm so hip. For you who didn't understand that, that's Gen Z for do life God's way. Live lit for the Lord, fam. Fam, family, us, us, to get. Anyways, you guys aren't as hip as I am. So anyway, so, uh, so getting back to what really matters. So Jude gives us basically eight commands. Uh, and it's, I, I think I have it broken down here. The first two commands that we're going to read are what we call the heiress. Now, this is important. I know you guys are like, we don't need to worry about English. Uh, some of you do, but... Um, so, it's the heiress tense, which means that it's, this is urgent. You must do this. This is very important. Listen up. Eyes this way. You know, that, that kind of thing that God is trying to get our attention. Two of those. Then there's, um, there's three more. I didn't put them up in here. Oh, yeah. So, there's three that come after those two that refer back, so they're a participle, they refer back to the last of the two heiress, and then there's, in their present tense, and then there's three more that we thought we're going to talk about that are present tense. Now, why am I saying that? Because the present tense, not only should we, you know, this is important, and you listen up, but then these, the, the commands, or the, the to-dos, I like calling them to-dos in my life, anyways, the, the to-dos are, they mean to continually, day in, day out, no matter what the circumstances, no matter how you're feeling, whether you have indigestion or don't have indigestion, whether a person's upset with you or a person's not upset with you, whether someone's going to do life God's way or not, you still do life God's way. This is our lifestyle. This is what we do. This is who we are. This is what we get up in the morning to do. Did God really say that? Yes. And we're going to look at the things that he says that we need to do. So the first one. We're going to make sure that we do life God's way. We, we don't listen to the lies that we're telling ourselves, uh, that we don't listen to the lies that other people are telling us, whether it's people in our life or people that we listen to uh, who are con considered pastors or prophets or bishops or whatever you want to call apostles, you know, whatever you want to call these people that are on TV. Or do you want to make sure that we don't give in to wrong teaching? We don't believe wrong teaching. Go down the road of wrong teaching. We're going to look at the things that God's telling us that we need to do. The first one is this. But you, beloved, so he's talking to true believers, so we who have truly placed our faith in Christ, and we say, yeah, I'm a believer. Listen up. This is what, this is what God expects of us. We ought to, there's that aorist tense, you must remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. That they were saying to you in the last time, so any, after Jesus uh, ascended to heaven all the way until now and into the future, whenever he comes back, that's the last time. So in the last time, there will be mockers following after their own ungodly lust. In other words, they're, they're self-centered, they're self-focused, it's all about them. 
These are the ones who cause divisions. They're worldly-minded and devoid of the Spirit. In other words, they're not even believers. Talked about this last week. He went through a long explanation of who these people are, the fact that they look like Christians, they act like Christians, but in their hearts, they're not. They haven't even placed their faith in Christ. They're just in there causing what they want to believe. They tell other people what they think they should be doing. And then they cause issues. So the first thing, it's very simple, that we need to make sure we do. Very important. Remember. And it has the idea of don't be surprised. We know because of what God has told us in his word, Paul has talked about it, Peter has talked about it, Jesus himself talked about it. There are going to be people in our lives and may even be a part of our church, or at least trying to get in, who don't believe what the Bible actually teaches. They may take Scripture and twist it to, so that they have their selfish desires met. Uh, they, they may just kind of even not even use the Bible and make it sound like, whatever the case, there are going to be those people. So don't be surprised. Don't be surprised that these kind of people are in your life. Now, where can this come from? Talked a little bit about it last week. I mentioned it a little bit here. Uh, fa- false teaching, wrong teaching, wrong beliefs. Uh, one, they can come from ourselves. We think wrong. We respond wrong. Uh, it could come from those that we listen to, like I mentioned, podcast, TV, radio, you know, wherever we might get somebody else who's trying to teach you. They may say they're a Christian. They may even give themselves a big biblical uh, title like apostle, like bishop, which, again, be careful when they do that because there's only one set of apostles, but that's besides the point. It could be family or friends who say they're Christians, but since they don't really know the Bible or they think they know the Bible or they're using the Bible incorrectly, they're going to tell you wrong things. They're going to advise you incorrectly. Uh, you see that uh, sometimes they're long-time believers even. Who, who uh, The example I would give is the Bible says that if we place our faith in Jesus Christ and ask him to forgive us of our sins, God forgives us. But when the Bible talks about it, at times it talks about the fact that God chooses us, calls us into a relationship with him. But then it also says that we choose to put our faith in Christ. So God chooses us, but the Bible also teaches that we choose him. So which is it? It's, it's, you know, it's a paradox. It's two seemingly uh, incongruent things, things that can't fit together that actually fit together. Well, it's what frustrates some of you, but the Bible teaches both. And so we teach both. But there are some who will swing the pendulum over and say, well, God chooses, so therefore I don't have to do anything. I don't have to share my faith because God's going to choose whoever's going to choose whatever he wants to choose them, and that's going to happen, and I don't have to worry about it. That's wrong teaching. Because Jesus said, go make disciples. And so we go make disciples. Other people swing the pendulum over here and say, well, since I choose, that means that, uh, that I could unchoose. But I could just take my salvation. I don't want my salvation. I, I know I asked for it, but now I don't want it. And so, but that's wrong too. Because the Bible says that our salvation is secure through faith in Christ. And so we can swing the pendulum wrong. And some believers do. Sometimes, I had a friend of mine from years ago who I grew spiritually from so much. He has such knowledge and such awesome 
stuff and he's really into evolution creation stuff and it was really fun to learn from him and all that kind of stuff well then later on in his life he swings over and says hey you know you can lose your salvation <laughs> and he sat me down and tried to convince me otherwise you know again it happens or we have family members who um, you know people Christians who have family members that choose a, an alternate lifestyle a different kind of lifestyle something contrary to what scripture says and because they want to keep that relationship and doesn't want, don't want to upset those people, they begin to condone what they're doing and supporting what they're doing. And pretty soon they're moving away from what God teaches about what it means to follow Jesus Christ. And so it happens from all sorts of different places. So how do we keep wrong teaching, wrong beliefs, wrong teachers from influencing, influencing us, moving us away from what God has for us, discouraging us, now, I can't stress this enough. For those who have recently placed their faith in Jesus Christ, man, you've got to nail this down. You've got to hear what I'm saying. And in fact, just get into God's Word and let God's Word teach you because there are going to be some, you're going to look at some older believers and be like, hey, wait a second, they're not doing that, so why should I do that? I know somebody who just recently said, I'm done. I'm done. Why? Because... They have in their head that since other Christians, besides me and some of us that know them, aren't doing life God's way, that has frustrated them so badly, and other family members who haven't turned their life to Christ, that has frustrated that person so badly, they're like, I'm done. I'm done with it. Now, if a person were to ask me, is that person a believer or not? I, I know the person. I, I believe God truly saved this individual, and so I, you can't run from God. And so several of us who know this individual, we're just praying that God grabs a hold and does his work. Because we can't change people's... I tell you, the thing that I'm learning again more and more is I can't change any of your, any of your hearts. I can't. I can want for you guys and I could ask God to just work in their lives and, and I can do all that I can do, give you information week in, week out. And I can sit with you and counsel with you and show you from God's word what you're supposed to do. I can give you actual step-by-step, step, here's the things that I have done in my life and you know, I can do all that. But the only person who I can control is me. I would love to be able to, I go into a room and the room is messed up and I can take off drywall or plaster and lath, and I can tear that off, and I can put drywall back on, and I can mud it, and I can sand it, and I can paint it. And you guys think, wow, that's a beautiful room. I can make that change, but I can't do that to you guys. Because only you guys can make that change as, God, as you allow God to change your heart. So new believer, grab hold of this. If you're an older believer, someone who thinks you're more mature maybe than somebody else, and, and, and you're struggling... Get this. Don't believe what you might be telling yourself or other people may be telling you. This is a totally different way of doing life and it's going to look different. It's going to feel different. It's going to feel awkward like trying to write your name with your opposite hand. But we need to do it. So here's what Jude goes on to say. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, and that's just basically the teaching or doctrines of the Bible. See how flowery it is, but I'm bringing it down. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. That's the main verse. That's the next aorist tense command. 
waiting anxiously, not like, oh no, Jesus is coming back, ah, but expectantly, excitedly, for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. And again, we'll explain that in another real long flowery phrase, but we're going to, we'll work through it. So here's what I said. The first thing, or the second command, this aorist, hey, listen up, this is important. Keep yourselves in the love of God, which means do life God's way. Live lit for the Lord, fam. It's simple. It's not complicated. But it's hard. Because we keep getting in the way. So, keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep has this idea of watch over, hold firmly, or guard a possession. God's given us this relationship with Him and and we, we, get, we get to know him. And so we need to guard that so we know him accurately. He says, do this yourselves. And that's plural. It means as individuals and together as the church. So we, we talk about the Bible says you need to be with your church family. You need to worship with your church family. You need to serve your church family. That means you need to be with your church family. That can't happen on a podcast. That can't happen on live stream. And it can only happen when you're here in the incredible building that God's given us with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And so you as an individual, you keep yourselves in the love of God. We together as a church family keep each other in the love of God. So in the love of God, what is that? It's living out our love for God through obeying him. Now, where did I get that? Well, look what Jesus said. So this is Jesus, quoting Jesus. But so that the world or unbelievers may know that I love the Father, what does he do? I do exactly. Did he really say it? Did he re- Seriously? Really? Exactly? Is that that important? Can't you fudge it? I do exactly as the Father commanded me. Now, he didn't do that for his sake. He does that for unbelievers' sake. He did that for our sake. So we would understand that Jesus loves God the Father. Well, then how does that relate to us? Well, look what Jesus says next. Now, you'll notice here in the lower right, he says this numerous times in the book of John alone. He says this, If or since you love me, you love Jesus, right? Those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, we love Jesus. He's awesome. He did incredible things for us. He died on the cross for us. He took our sins away. He's awesome. You will keep my commandments. Why? Because that's what love does. When, if we truly understand what Jesus has done for us, we, we love him and we show that like Jesus showed his love for God by us obeying God and obeying Jesus, who is, in fact, God. It's an aorist active. So it's, hey, listen up, it's important, grab hold of this, but it's the active, which means you need to choose to do it. You need to choose to do it. I choose to do it. Sometimes I don't do it. I need to confess that, ask God to forgive me, and then I need to get back on the wagon and start doing it again. But I can't do it for you. I can't choose, I can't come to your house. I mean, this is for, when, I had a youth, when I was a youth pastor, I had a youth who wouldn't get out of bed. And so mom called me. Hey, could you come over and get my son on the bed? I mean, I did it, but I'm just like, what? But I can't, I can't come over to your house and wake up. Hi, good morning. <laughs> do, you, 
did you have your Bible study? Did you? Here's one. Here. I can't do that for you guys. This is a personal relationship that you get to have with God. It's not God operating us like a marionette. You know, it takes me, oh, it's going to take me over to work today, and then I'll go over here. No, it's not that. It's us choosing and asking and having God do it in and through us. So what is it that I choose to do? These are the three other, they're participles, which are also commands, and so they're also present tense. And so this, says, this is letting us know, these three things, letting us know how do we do this. So the first one is knowing the Bible. Now, if you have a $100 bill, how do you know it's not counterfeit? Because there are so many different ways that you can counterfeit a $100 bill. The only way you can know, because you can't know all the different ways, you can't keep up with it, is to know what a real $100 bill looks like. Then you can figure out all the other fakes. How do you know when something is false teaching? How do you know when you're thinking incorrectly? How do you know when someone's telling you something is incorrectly or not? You need to know the truth. And the more you know the truth, the more you can pick out the wrong thinking, the wrong teaching, the wrong things that are going on or trying to take influence in your life. And so he says, building yourselves up in the most holy faith. Very flowery. It just means know the Bible. should have had me write the Bible. It would have been a lot shorter. Anyways... Just kidding. Just kidding. Jeez. So he says build up. This has this idea of one layer upon another. Just boom, 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 boom. Bible, 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 Bible. Learning more and more and more and more. You start out not knowing much, usually. And then the longer you're in it, the more you get to know it. You know, some people say, man, Harold, you know the Bible so well. And I say, yeah, I'm just really incredibly smart. You'll never be like me. No, that's not it at all. Why, why do I know the Bible so well? if that's what you think of me. I, was, I came to know the Lord when I was four years old. I was raised in a, a family that said church is important. And we were there every time the doors were opened. And whether I liked it or not, day in, day out, no matter what the circumstances, my parents had me in church. And as I was in church, I had faithful teachers, not paid, volunteers, throughout my entire life, people pouring into me, giving me instruction into God's word. And yes, a lot of it was repetitious. And I heard it, and I heard it, and I heard it, and I heard it, and now I know it. And then I went off to Bible school and I got a big old Bible degree. But when I went to Bible school, I knew a lot already because of the faithful people who had been pouring into me. Because of the time I spent, even as a high schooler, reading the Bible. That's so weird. What a geek. And so we, we find out more, we learn more, we build, build, build. And he says yourselves, so there's that individual, but together as a church. We need to be together as a church. You need to be doing this at home? Then we need to be doing this together as a church. And the faith is the teachings of the Bible. It's present tense, day in, day out. No matter the circumstances, no matter what you think, and if you get up, I'm too tired, or go to bed, I'm too tired, you need to find some time in the day, carve it out. If it's, if it's important, you'll do it. And so it's a lifestyle of choosing to daily be in the Bible. If you don't want to do that, do me a favor. Don't eat a meal. Don't eat from now on. That's crazy, Harold. Why? Yep. No, 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 I didn't mean that. No, it came out wrong. No, it came out wrong. Stop. 
No, you will, right? It's the same thing with our spiritual life. God's Word is, is the milk, is the meat. It's, it's what we eat, spiritually speaking. And so if you stop eating, every time your stomach gets hungry and you get that growl going, that will remind you, to, oh, I need to get into the Bible. Don't eat the Bible, but get into the Bible. All right, so you don't have to do this on your own. We're going to find out the Holy Spirit's going to help us, but for right now, we do Bible study every Thursday night, and the women have one in the morning as well on Thursday. We've got like 16, 17 guys who come consistently, but we've got like 80 or 90 guys in our church. And there's like about 16 or 17 ladies who come, and we've got, there's usually a few more ladies in the church than there's guys, so there's a few more ladies. But we have it every Thursday, and what we're doing, we're, stu- we're reading the Bible together, we're studying the Bible, we're discussing it, we're saying, hey, how does this impact my life? And some guys are struggling, and they come to the other guys, and hey, I'm struggling, we pray for that person, and give them advice, and tell them our story, and the ladies do the same thing. 17, 18, 19 guys. Awesome! Those guys are loving it. And they're growing. It's not the most exciting thing every Thursday. You know, Greg and Clark do a great job, but, you know, they're not the most exciting thing every Thursday. Some weeks are awesome, but other times i got to, you know, throw humor in just to make it, uh, just to make it more fun. We do the grow class. Little shameless. we got the grow class coming up in September. We're going to show you how to read the Bible and study the Bible. Some of you guys have taken it. It's really good information. If you do it, you fill out the manual, take it home and throw it in the trash. It doesn't do any good. We talk about what it means to pray. People struggle all the time about praying. We're going to talk about how you, how you pray. We're going to talk about the need to be with a church family. We're going to talk about what giving is, financially speaking, and all that, because one of the key disciplines of being a follower of Christ. We have microgroups. Microgroup is a, uh, a more mature believer. Someone's gone through some stuff, and God's taken them through some stuff, and then they sit with one or two or maybe up to three people who are struggling, and they just kind of meet together to read the Bible together, pray together, encourage each other, talk about life together. You don't have to do it alone. God doesn't want you doing it alone. That's why he gives us the Holy Spirit. He says, by praying in the Holy Spirit. That's the next thing we're supposed to do. It's a, it's a present tense as well. It means to petition God or to ask God for what you need. And it's in the Holy Spirit. So um, I just want to show you how incredibly smart I am. Actually, I just learned this this week. This phrase is called a locative of sphere. Locative. Mm, yes. Locative of sphere. It means to be motivated and empowered by the Holy Spirit. So we go to God and we ask God, God, I need to know your word. I need to know your will. And so that's, the Holy Spirit's motivating us, right? Because he's in us to do that, to want that, to, to need that. And then I need you to empower me. That's the Holy Spirit. God, and we won't get into all of it. I can tell you different verses, but we're not going to, that the Holy Spirit is, is to give us the strength, the power. So we pray to God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we ask him, help us understand. It's, it's not a habitual prayer. It's not lay me down to sleep at night and my soul, I hope the Lord keep tonight. You know, it's not that. I, can't even, I don't even know what it is. I just heard other people talk, you know, saying it. It's not, you know, God is good, God is great, thank you for the food I ate, because I, I forget to pray before, so I thank him for after. It, it's not that. It's, it's this conscious, um, intentional interaction with God. It's a present tense, continual, day in, day out, 24-7, 365. 
Prayer is just part of what you do as you go through life. And then the last one he says about keeping eternity in view is how I'm phrasing it. But he says, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. Again, really long, but what he's saying is keeping eternity in view. What does that mean? If you're driving a car, we drove all the way out to Montana and back, and so unfortunately this happened a couple times. But if I was looking right, because Kim wanted me to see the wheat fields, which there's a lot of them out there, by the way, you know, I'm looking, oh, yeah, yeah. And I started driving to the right. And she, oh, she goes, oh, look at it, it's over there. So I said, uh, and I started driving to the left. Because where you look is where you drive, right? But if you look right down the road, ahead of you, you'll stay between the lines and you'll be able to dodge whatever in your way. Potholes, you know, rabbits, you know, whatever. It's the same thing with us. We, what he's saying here is keep your focus on what's the most important thing. And to Jesus, the most important thing is getting people to heaven. And so that's what we keep our eyes on. That's what we shoot for. That's what we look for, look forward to. So are you looking forward to seeing Jesus? And some of you guys are like, well, I'm not sure if I should answer that right now. Are you? I mean, it's, it's going to be awesome. One of these days we're going to spend eternity in heaven with, with Jesus. What happens when you see him? Some people say, wait, when I get to heaven, I got, I got some questions. I want to ask God this, or God, I want to ask Jesus this, or I'm going to talk to Peter, and, and to, hey, how was it to walk on the water? And I'm going to talk to Paul and be like, wow, Paul, you got beat within an inch of your life. How did that feel? And, or I'm going to go see a, a loved one. I can't wait to see my mom. I can't see, wait to see my dad, or my aunt, or uncle, or my grandpa, whatever. We say that a lot. But you know what? I'm not going to read these verses. If you want to know, I can share them with you afterwards. But you know what happens according to the Bible? is that Jesus is going to evaluate us and reward us according to our obedience. That's what's going to happen when we get to heaven. We get heaven because of Jesus. I'm not saying you work for your salvation. We get heaven because we place our faith in Jesus. But once we get there, now for some of us, we're going to be in heaven. That's all we got. The Bible even says that. But what also happens then, he's going to reward us based on our obedience. That reward, I believe, is probably the people... We're going to see all the people that we've been able to be involved in who he's impacted through us. Paul says that in I think it's First Thessalonians, and I think that's what he's talking about there. Matthew 25, Jesus gives us this parable. And he says, hey, there's a master who goes away for a long period of time, and he gives his three servants um, responsibility to build his business. And so we, he comes back after a long period of time, and, and two of them have taken whatever it is that he has been given, which, by the way, a servant, they have nothing of their own. Everything is the master's. So they've taken everything of the master's, and they've put it towards building the master's business. And then there's a third one, and the third one, he doesn't do that. And what we understand from the parable is that third one showed that he is not really connected to his master. There's, there's no relationship there. There's no understanding of the, the master and his love and his care and his business and all kind of stuff. And so in the parable, Jesus said the other servants were to cast that one out into utter darkness. And what he's saying here is that's talking about hell. And so there's the teaching, the understanding is, if we're a follower of Jesus Christ, we understand everything we have is God's. And then we're supposed to take everything that we have and we're supposed to use it towards 
building his business, his kingdom, seeing people come to Christ. That's everything he's given us is to be used for that purpose. Not that we can't enjoy it, but we enjoy it with the understanding we're going to use it to impact people for Jesus Christ. And then the warning is, there are some people who say they're Christians, who say they're following Jesus Christ, but they're not doing anything for him. And so the warning is, hey, hey, Jesus saying, hey, make sure that you truly understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Because if you haven't really trusted Christ, it's going to show in your life. And a person who hasn't trusted Christ, sadly, chooses to spend eternity in hell. And so we need to keep eternity in view. It's a present tense. It's stay in, it's stay out, no matter the circumstances, no matter how we're feeling, no matter what we're thinking. We do it. So are you looking forward to Jesus' evaluation? Because that's what's going to happen when we get to heaven. So we do life God's way. We get into his word and we, we pray and ask God to give us understanding and the Holy Spirit gives us understanding and then gives us the power to do it. And then, and then we keep our eyes focused on what's important. And that's people. And that's what he talks about next. That we are keeping or we are impacting people for Christ. And this is how he said it. So these are the last three commands. And have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. Talking about hell. And on some have mercy with fear, hating even a garment polluted by the flesh. So the last three commands here, they're all present tense, is that first we have mercy on doubters, on those who are confused. It's those who haven't quite given themselves over to all the wrong teaching. They're confused. They, they hear the truth and they, they hear the lies and they're back and forth and they're vacillating back and forth. And our responsibility, present tense, day in, day out, no matter what the circumstances, whether a believer or an unbeliever, we come alongside of them and patiently, continually give the truth. And I'm telling you, this is probably the hardest part of my life, if, if you care. I get so tired. I tell Kim this, everyone. I've told some of the leadership team. I just get so tired of saying the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. But then I'm also reminded by God saying, well, you're not perfect. You know, so I, I'm constantly bringing it to myself. And so I'll continue giving it to you guys as well, bringing this truth. And it's, again, present tense. Then he says, hey, there's others who have given into that teaching. These are the, the others, the unbelievers, and, and go save those. Just, just get them saved. And what he's saying there is that we know we don't save people. God's Holy Spirit is the one who convicts people and gives them understanding. But we get to team up. So we're part of the process. We need to be sharing that with people, the message, what God has for them. And so we need to do that day in, day out, no matter what the circumstance. And the last one, have mercy with fear, not being polluted. And that polluted garments, I think what he's, who he's talking to about here is the teachers. Those are the people who have, uh, they've like uh, saturated themselves with this wrong teaching, that so much so that now they're the teacher. And so he's saying, hey, for those people, you still need to reach them. You still need to have mercy on them. Mercy, you know, has this idea of just giving them what they need and patiently doing so, caring about them. But but have fear. And fear is not like, yeah, I'm scared. It's, it's this idea, be cautious. Don't, don't buy into what they're teaching because they're good. You know, they've got a bunch of other people fooled. They might fool you. And so it's really important, I think, that you, first you need to know your Bible well before you maybe deal with 
these individuals, but eventually we're supposed to deal with these individuals. It's a continual day-in, day-out type of thing. So no matter the person, no matter how caught up in false teaching they are, our responsibility is one, to live life God's way, to do what God's called us to do, and then to draw those people to Jesus Christ. Now, it's not easy. It's a hard thing to do. And Jude knows that. And so that's why Jude, I think, ends with this. Now to him, speaking of God, who's able to keep you from stumbling, he'll keep you from going down that road. If you do what he's called you to do, he'll keep you from going down that wrong thinking and wrong teaching and beliefs. And to make you stand in the presence of, uh, in the presence of his glory, blameless, meaning spiritually mature, with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. God is worthy of us praising him. He's the one who's keeping us. He's the one who has saved us. He's the one who's called us. He's the one who's keeping us for Jesus Christ. And he will do that if we just do life his way. Day in, day out, no matter what the circumstances. So what's our takeaways? First one's this. Where are you struggling to do life God's way? You know, maybe it's you're watching other Christians or people who profess to be Christians and that's bumming you out and discouraging you. I'll tell you, um, honestly, I struggle um, with that. I'm watching other people. I just want so badly for them to do life God's way and they're not doing it. It just bums me out. And pretty soon I'm just like, oh, this is terrible. And, blah. and now I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So I got to get back in to God. Maybe it's a personal sin that you're dealing with or... Um, you know, I don't know. Wherever your struggle is, you know what your struggle is. Secondly, then, there you go. What needs to change to do life God's way? What choice do you have to make to get back on track and do how God wants you to do? You need to make that choice. And a third, how can we or I help? You're not supposed to do it alone. You got God's word, you got God's Holy Spirit, but he's given you his church, his, his spiritual family. So how can we help? Don't go it alone. Don't say, ah, nobody wants to deal with my issues, nobody cares about what I'm, I don't want people to know my issues. That's lies that you're believing that are, that's wrong teaching. It's wrong, incorrect. So let us come alongside of you. You'll grow, we'll grow, and it'll just be an awesome experience for all of us to be able to do that. Let's go ahead and stand. We're closing prayer.